Welcome to the Financial Planners South Africa podcast, a show dedicated to driving the positive evolution of financial advice, specifically in South Africa. To join a global community of financial advisors, sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. Portfolio Metrics is thrilled to bring you this podcast in support of our common passion, people and the evolution of wealth management. Our global business links precision investment management to expert financial advice through partnerships and technology. Portfolio Metrics is an authorized financial services provider. AssetMap is a proud sponsor of this podcast. Are you looking for the next big thing in advisor technology? AssetMap is used by thousands of financial advisors to help create more meaningful conversations with clients. See for yourself how AssetMap is leading the next phase of financial advice delivery. Learn more at asset-map.com forward slash Louis for special listeners discount. This episode is proudly brought to you by Alan Gray. They say it's important to live for today. Although that might be true, we can't forget to plan for tomorrow. There's a lot of it left, after all. Alan Gray is an authorized financial services provider. Visit www.alangray.co.za to learn how we build long-term wealth for clients. Welcome to another episode of Financial Planners South Africa. I am extremely excited to have a long-standing favorite of mine, Steve Sandusky, join our show today. Steve, thank you for so much for being here today. Well, Louie, it's great to be here. Yeah, Steve, you have a ton of things going on. And the one thing that I look forward to every year is your three words of the year, the words that you focus on. And I want to maybe reflect a little bit on how 2021's words have gone. You know, one piece for you has been core. So what are the things that Steve's been busy with right at the core? What are those things at the moment? Yeah, well, this idea of three words. I've been doing, I think, for seven, maybe eight years now. And so I typically start uh, January 1st and I identify three words that really set the tone for what I want to be thinking about and what I want to keep top of mind throughout the course of the year. And for 2021, my three words were long form, core, and connections. And uh, I haven't published it yet as we're having our conversation here today, but the the three words, so long form, I'm going to give myself an F. <laughs> so, uh, And I'll give you more detail on that when I do my podcast on it. Uh, core was really about trying to stay focused on the things that are important to me and that I want to get accomplished and that I don't really stray too far. And it's a bit difficult for me because I'm a curious person and I love to explore a lot of different things, but I realized that I'll never do anything well if I'm just all over the board. So core was just a reminder that, Hey, you know, don't, don't stray too far away. And then connections is just about continuing to deepen relationships with people and having conversations like this. You're in South Africa, I'm in Wisconsin. So, I mean, it's wonderful that we've got the technology and the ability to have conversations around the world like this. And so it's just about keeping those connections up and and expanding connections as well. Yeah, I feel like COVID and the pandemic has actually made it possible to connect 
to people across the globe much easier than actually spending time with your neighbor. Is that something that you've experienced as well? Yeah. And I've been using Zoom type technology for more than 20 years. I mean, back in the day, we were using WebEx and now I don't, I, I think maybe big companies use WebEx, but we were we were using that and other similar type technologies many, many years ago to do these, these uh, large group calls. I think, of course, with COVID, now we've got the cameras on most of the time. And so I think that has really helped people maintain connections during during COVID. And I know a lot of people say, hey, I'm I'm tired of Zoom. I've got Zoom fatigue. I'm tired of being on video all the time. But I think the reality is that I think it's really enabled relationships to continue to flourish during during this difficult time. So I and like you and I, you know, we're we're looking at each other here on the video. And prior to this kind of technology, we would have just been talking on the phone. And I think there's a much richer connection that can happen when we can see each other and get our visual cues here. So I'm, I'm actually a fan of this type of technology because I think it expands all of our opportunities. Steve, talking about technology, I mean, I know you have a background a little bit in coding and early days with uh, HP. We've had quite a few guests on that have got training in coding or thinking as, you know, someone in the IT industry. Has that shaped your thinking at all? Well, it's interesting because I tend to think of myself as a methodical person, as a logical person. And so back in high school and college, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you. I was in high school back in the 1970s. So I was coming of age as at the very beginning of the personal computer generation. And I remember back in the 1970s, I was in high school and we had a, a pretty pretty nice high school and I was actually programming in basic language way back in the day and then went to college and was programming in Fortran and COBOL. So, I mean, I, I had an early taste of, of the technology side but I realized that I didn't really want to spend my career doing that and that my my real love was investing of all things. And so I bought my first stock back in the late 1970s and really have carried on that interest in the investing and financial side ever since then. So got an undergrad in finance, got an MBA as well. So I, I think maybe one of my benefits is that I understand the technology side. I understand the logic of coding but then I also have an interest in creativity, an interest in exploration, and am open to how things work. So I, I, you know, I like to think maybe it's the best of both worlds. It sounds like it's given you a framework to unpack the world. Instead of saying, this is something I want to create as a career, it's something that I want to use to explore other fields and other areas. Yeah, definitely. And my timing, I think, was pretty good because as a result of the microprocessor revolution, let's say back in uh, the early 1970s when Intel came out with one of their, their first main chips, really started this whole idea of the exponential age and Moore's law. And so I think it's really important for people, if you want to succeed in the world today, that you really need to have some level of understanding of technology. And I think the fact that I was exposed to technology very early on at the very early stages of this exponential age, that I've been able to carry that with me. And so I think that has helped shape the work that I do and 
help keep me a little bit at the forefront of what's happening on the technology side of the business world. Steve, you mentioned kind of keeping up with technology and immediately what jumps to mind is your show around the digital money advisor and how advisors should be embracing you know, digital money. Is that something that you're seeing picking up speed? And you know, where do you see this leading to? Well, I think that what's happening with our money system, with our financial system, is I think there's two things happening as it relates to things like digital money. So one is that the financial infrastructure is being completely remade before our very eyes. And what I mean by that is we look at the the plumbing of our financial system today is very archaic. I mean, it goes back several decades and is built on old coding technology and old coding programs. And so it is being remade with uh, DeFi, decentralized finance. It's being remade on blockchains. So that's kind of point one is that the infrastructure is changing because we've got new technology. The second thing that I think is changing because of this digital technology is the actual type of assets that we can invest in. And I think Bitcoin is a perfect example of that, whereby it is a new type of asset that is built on a blockchain, a new type of money, a new store value. I mean, it's so many different things actually that it is leading to a lot more opportunities. And so as a financial advisor listening to this, I think it is critical that you really pay attention to what's happening there and that you really start to try and understand what is going on in this whole area of digital assets and digital technology, because there's no question in my mind that that's where the industry is evolving toward, both a change in the infrastructure and how we actually deliver what it is that we do. And then the second is the spectrum of investments that we can invest in. So typically we think of stocks, bonds, cash, maybe real estate, maybe gold. But going forward, we're going to have so many different things that we can invest in. We'll be able to invest in people. I mean, people are now tokenizing their income or they're tokenizing their communities. So it's just really boggles the mind when you take a look at everything that is becoming available. And so that's one of the things that just really excites me and keeps me excited about what's happening in the the industry and in the world is just all these new things that are coming on board. And that's one reason why I started the Digital Money Advisor podcast is to continue to explore those things, bring those ideas to the financial advisor community. Steve, I can hear the excitement. And a part that I'm wondering is how do you translate that back to a client? I mean, is it still relevant to be talking about the intrinsic value of these cryptocurrencies? Because it sounds like you're saying this is more about the infrastructure than investing in a single digital currency. Well, I think it's both. So, and I, and I think it's going to be hard to disaggregate them from each other. So the infrastructure is, is definitely going to be changing. I mean, just for example, look at things like Robinhood. I mean, now people can just download a Robinhood app and they can press a few buttons and invest in stocks and they can buy fractions of a stocks. So they can buy Bitcoin. They can buy, you know, ETH just at the touch of a button. So the way that we invest is definitely changing and that's not stopping. But then the second also, as I mentioned, is the types of things that we can invest in because of technology are changing 
dramatically. So I, I don't think you can bury your head in the sand and just hope that this goes away or that it doesn't become a big thing. If you're, you know, two, three, four years away from retirement, you know, you're probably going to be okay. You're probably not going to worry too much about it. If your clients are 70, 80 years old, you're probably not going to be too worried about it. But if you're 35, 40, 45, 50 years old and you're a financial advisor, you absolutely have to get up to speed on this and you have to prepare yourself and your business to embrace what's happening here. Because if you don't, you're not going to make it. That is a very powerful statement, Steve, and I agree with you. It is that evolution of you know, a financial product, but at the same time, there's this evolution of being a financial advisor. I want to rewind a little bit in kind of your early days of getting involved in financial advice. How do you see it contrasted to where we are today? Yeah, well, I started out in corporate America back in the 80s, and then I got into the financial industry back in 1993, so coming up on 30 years now in the business. And when I started in 1993 at an independent broker-dealer, it was just the very beginning of advisors making a shift from a commission business to a fee-based business. And so my first job was to help the broker-dealer set up a corporate registered investment advisory arm, and then to help advisors make a shift from a commission business to a fee-based asset management business. So I think I was really at the early beginnings of of where we are today, which is this whole fee-based asset management um, way of doing business. So yeah, so so clearly it was a commission-driven, product-driven business back in the day. And now we have shifted to, actually, I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of thoughts here. So, so one is we started out with the commission business. Then we moved to this fee-based asset management business, which was simply based on uh, picking mutual funds and doing asset allocation and charging a fee for that. Then we got around to say the early 2000s and we had the rise of eMoney, we had the rise of MoneyGuide Pro, which are financial planning software tools. Now advisors started to realize, oh my gosh, I'm getting paid 1% per year or 1.5% per year just for managing assets. Ultimately, that turns out to be a lot of money just for managing assets. So now they're like, well, I gotta add some more value. So then they decide, well, let me start doing some financial planning because I got these cool new GWIZ tools. So now we start doing financial planning and that's great. That adds tremendous value. And a lot of people would certainly suggest that the real value is in the financial planning and not so much in the investment management. Well, now I think we're making another shift, which is the shift toward what we call at ROL Advisor, life-centered planning. And so the focus here is putting the client's life at the center of the conversation, not the performance of their money. And I view this really as the, the ultimate form of financial advising. And what I mean by that is we've got the assets, the investing piece, which is a subset of the financial planning piece, which is a subset of the life planning. So I view life planning as this overall umbrella, which is the peak of which you can get to of which you can offer to a client because there's nothing more than life itself. And so to me, the highest performing financial advisors are the ones who take into consideration the entire life of the client of which money and investing is certainly an important part. But at the end of the day, we need to ask ourselves and we need to ask our clients, what's the money for? And to me, that's what life-centered planning is about. 
It's about helping you use your money to make decisions that help you live the kind of life that you want to live. It's wonderful to hear that evolution. And, you know, we can see in South Africa, even be it slightly slower, we can see that evolution move from asset management to financial planning to what you're saying called life-centered finance financial planning. And one of our early guests, Dirk Grunefeld, is also a user. And you know, I'm sure you're familiar with Dirk and the work that he's doing in South Africa. I want to expand a little bit on the ROL tool set. What would be the main offering for financial planners that maybe at that point with financial planning, not 100% certain, how do they get into this life-centered financial planning? Where would someone start? Yeah. Well, my partner and I, Mitch Anthony, who some of you may be familiar with, we started a company a few years ago called ROL Advisor, and ROL stands for Return on Life. So as I mentioned, the, the idea is really about putting the client's life at the center of the conversation. And so we ended up creating a variety of digital tools that really help you facilitate having a deeper and richer conversation with your client. And the way that we think about it is we want you to get your client's storyboard. And by that, we mean we want you to really understand the story, the biography, the history of the client. So we think of it as a timeline in, in the sense of we want to know where have you been because what has happened in your life up to this point has shaped your beliefs around money. So we want to understand what are the experiences that have shaped your beliefs and your perspectives around money. So we created a tool for that called the Fiscalosophy Profile. So that's fiscal philosophy. So we wanna understand what is your philosophy around money and also uh, what are you know your comfort level around that. So that's really about getting some of the past stories. Then we're like, okay, well, where are you today? Right now, how well are you using your money to live your best life possible? And we have a tool called the ROL Index, which helps answer that question. And then the third is, where are you going? We call that the lifeline. So we want to understand what are the life transitions that you can foresee happening in the future that have a money impact? And which of those do we need to start planning for right now? So when you're all done kind of working through these three tools and having these three conversations with clients, you end up with, where have they been and understanding the stories that have shaped their beliefs around money? Where are they right now? Because we need to know, well, where are you right now in order to know where we want to go? And then the third is, where do we want to go? What are those transitions? How can we plan for those? So we have this whole storyboard, this whole timeline of their past. And once you have that information, you can do a much better job putting a plan together, a much better job putting a portfolio together that is going to match up with with where they're trying to get. So Steve, it's about creating tangible deliverables for those clients to say, okay, you know, it's a process that I'm working through, but at the end of the day, I can see what my financial planner is delivering. It's not only about my money, it's about my life. It is. And particularly with the Lifeline, which is a very visual tool. So those of you, this is audio, I think that you're listening to this. So you're not, you're not going to be able to see the tool in front of you. But if, if you want to, you can go to roladvisor.com and you can get all the information. But let me just kind of briefly describe it to you. So let's say that someone is, was born in say 1950. So we put their 
their, the year that they were born, 1950, into the tool. And then it creates a timeline that starts in 1950, 51, 52, goes all the way to the present day. And then we have six broad categories of life transitions. And within each of those six broad categories, we have view it as a drop-down box where we've identified these are the life transitions related to these six broad categories. And then as the advisor, you walk the client through a conversation and ask them, okay, let's go through some of these transitions. Let me know which of these do you anticipate happening? When might you anticipate them happening? And what is the priority level at which you want to start planning for them? So you may end up with a couple of transitions that are happening right now this year that are high priority that they want to plan for. So we just click those and it pops it right on the year, whether it's 2021 or 2022. There might be something that's going to happen seven years from now. Let's say they're going to plan on retiring in seven years. So we can put a plan for retirement. We can put a date seven years from now, click it, and it pops right on the lifeline seven years from now. So when they're done, they have this visual representation by year. You can also look at it by age of everything, all the transitions that they envision happening going forward, the year or the age at which they anticipate those happening, whether that's going to happen for you know one spouse or the other spouse, or whether it's going to happen for both, because we can identify these transitions individually or as a couple. And then, you know, the priority levels. So now we know what do we need to be planning for. And then every time you meet with the client, you pull this lifeline back up and say, let's review. Has anything changed here? Are there, are there any transitions that, 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 you know, have come up new since we last talked that we need to put on the lifeline? Have any of the priorities changed? Do we need to move something up? Do we need to push something back? So it gives you a clear roadmap for all of your financial planning conversations and it's based on what the client wants. It's based on what the client has identified is most important to them. So we think this is just an incredible planning tool, an incredible visual tool to help advisors and clients know exactly what they need to be planning for and when and what the priority level is. So in the old days, financial planning days, it would be, okay, these are your financial goals. Now you're saying these are your financial transitions that's coming up and let's link the money to that. Steve, I'm curious, what changes for the client when they actually see this in a document, you know, their, their future lives planned out? Yeah, well, it, it it's helpful because now you've got a visual because all of us learn in different ways. So some of us like to learn by audio. Some of us like to learn by visual. Some of us like to learn tactile. We like to feel things. Some of us like to learn through experiences. Some of us like, you know, all of that stimuli happening all at once. So it's going to vary a little bit by person, but having the the visual, people can just see like the passing of time. They can see, oh, that's a year from now, or that's three years, or that's five years from now. And then it's real easy to change that too. If they're like, well, I thought maybe I wanted to retire when I was 65, but now I'm thinking if I could, I'd like to retire at 62 because I've got this other thing that I'm interested in and I'd like to get working on that sooner rather than later. And I really can't dig into it until I'm actually retired. So it's easy to like change things on the timeline. So I think it just helps give people a sense of time, a perspective of time, a a sense of the flowing and the passing of time by seeing it on this lifeline. So we found it to be a very powerful tool. 
That's so true. We're really engaging. We're getting to a point where we can engage clients. In the coaching world, they often say, you know, a lot of the coaching takes place in between those sessions. And what I'm picking up is that you're saying, well, it's a seed that you can plant for the client. They can go home, they can start thinking about it. And the next time we can re-engage it. And it's not just a financial statement that they look at. Right. Yeah. In fact, uh, actually just yesterday, I had a conversation with uh, a husband and wife and I was walking them through the first two of those tools, the Fiscalosophy and the ROL Index. And we spent an hour and a half going through those two tools. And what we ended up with was a few what I call action items. And so based on the conversation that came out between the couple, we identified several things that A, that they agreed to do and B, that they agreed to talk about. So when you talk, so when you just mentioned here, it's like things that happen in between meetings, that's a perfect example of, and I sent them a recap follow-up email that identified the things they committed to. But one of the things they committed to was they were going to have a meeting as a couple, kind of a big strategic meeting between between uh, the spouses. And we identified these are like the three big questions that you need to answer. So I'm not part of that dialogue. That's them as a couple getting together. They agreed to do it before year end and they're going to answer some big questions. So to me, you know, that's an example of just how powerful and impactful it is being a financial advisor is being able to help couples identify and clarify what are the big issues, what are the big questions that are really going to drive meaning in their life. And you as the advisor can be a catalyst and a guide and a facilitator on that. And then ultimately, it's the client that goes that last mile that actually does the work and gets it done. But it's just a, a great feeling to be part of that. Absolutely. Aren't we in the best uh, occupation or position to be able to facilitate these things? Steve, Dr. Moira Summers talks about clients struggling to actually take action. You've mentioned now that you know there's some deliverables that's on the client's table to, to do. How do you see clients actually taking action? Do you think it's a part that they're struggling with? Yeah, well, there's this uh, idea that's been around for a long time called the knowing doing gap. And it's basically the idea that most of us know what we knew, what we should be doing, but not all of us actually do it. And so I think there's a, there's a couple ways to think about that. One is if you want to do more of what you know, then you need, you need to increase your motivation. You need to increase your desire. And I like to ask advisors that might be struggling with execution or following through. And the simple question is, does your desire match your dream? The reality is dreaming is free, but executing your dream can be very costly. And so you just have to decide, do I really desire that? Or do I just like the idea of being a business of a certain size, but I like the, the idea of it more than I like the reality of actually having to do the work that's going to get me there. So I think that's one key is just, does your desire match your dream? So I don't know if you have any thought on that, but uh, there's a second piece I could add here as well. That's brilliant. I, I do have some thoughts, but I'd love for you to continue. Yeah. And the, the second thing in terms of 
kind of the execution is I get back to this idea of structural thinking, which I'm really fascinated by. And and, the, and as it relates to basically execution and following through, and I, I spend time working on this with my coaching clients as well, is uh, thinking about creating some tension. And what I mean is, let's say that we have this big goal, okay? Maybe we want to double our business or we want to 10X our business or you know some, some big dream, some BHAG that we have out there, okay? So let's call that the desired state. Then we have to go back to, well, where are we today? What is our current state? What's our current situation? And so now we've got a gap between the two. On one hand, we've got, here's where we are right now. And let's put a description of that. I mean, let's really put a narrative around what's my current state? What's, what are the, the, res- the financial resources I have available to me? What are the human resources I have available to me? What are the obstacles that, have cur- that are currently in my way that might be preventing me from doing some of the things that I want to do? Just give me a good description of the current situation where I'm at right now. Then at the other end, we've got this desired state. This is the vision, the goal, the objective, BHAG, whatever you want to call it. Let's describe that. Let's make that uh, really, really uh, interesting as well. So when you, when you do that, what you've done is you, you've created this gap or in structural thinking, we think of that as a tension. So let me give you another visual to think about. Uh, let's say that you're an archer and you've got a bow and arrow. So you, you're, you're, you're pulling that bow that, that uh, you know, that bow back, that arrow back. So what's happening? The more you pull that arrow back, you're creating more and more tension. Well, if you are directing that bow right on the target and that arrow right on the target, what, what does that tension want to do? That tension wants to relieve. So when you let go of that arrow and it's shooting straight toward that target, okay? That's kind of the visual that I want you to think about. Same thing with this current state and the desired state. We want to create a tension between those two. And what happens with tension? Well, tension wants to be resolved. And so what I help my coaching clients do is I help them resolve that tension following the path of least resistance. And what I mean by that is energy wants to follow the path of least resistance. So we want to create structures. We want to create design We want to create processes and values in such a way that the easiest way to follow through with getting to that desired state, the easiest way to do that is the way that's going to get me to that desired state. So we have to create all the structure around it that makes the easiest path the one that leads toward that desired target. So that's conceptually how I think about closing this knowing doing gap and actually following through and executing on what it is that you say that you want to do. Those are wonderful examples, Stephen. I think what comes to mind is that a lot of this content sounds familiar and and what I'm guessing is that it's from that Proven in the Trenches book that uh, you co-authored and that truly is a gem for any financial planner starting to build a business. But that was kind of iteration number three I'm curious to hear how that evolution took place just to to create that amount of content. Yeah. So Tested in the Trenches, uh, you're referring to a book that I co-wrote with Ron Carson. So some of you may be familiar with Ron. He's uh, a very successful financial advisor here in the States. 
And Ron and I partnered back in 2001 and we started what is now Carson Coaching. And so when he and I started in 2001, we decided to create a financial advisor coaching program. And uh, Ron was continuing as an advisor. And so I was the full-time guy, uh, the managing partner of of building that thing on a day-to-day basis. So I ran that business for over 11 years. And we ended up building that from zero to about a thousand advisors by the time I left. And I love creating content. And so as part of the coaching, obviously, we have to create content. So I ended up writing a couple of books with Ron while I was there, uh, one of which is Tested in the Trenches. And so basically what we did with that book was we identified a, a multi-step process on how to build a million-dollar financial advisory practice. And so we took a lot of our concepts that we taught in the coaching program, organized them along a series of nine steps and detailed those in the book. So yeah, it's uh, we've had a lot of good feedback. Uh, you know, I think it first came out in like 2005. So it's about 15 years old. We did come out with an updated version in about 2012, I think it was. And uh, yeah, but I think uh, the, the concepts are, are pretty much timeless. So, uh, you know, it's still valid here today. Completely agree. Those concepts you can almost apply to any business, you know, and I, and I often think of people like Tony Shea talking about we're in the service business, we just happen to deliver shoes, where financial planning is about the same thing to a certain extent. Yeah, it is. And one of the things that I love to do, since you mentioned Tony Shea, is I love talking to people outside of the financial industry. And that's one of the things I do with another podcast that I host uh, called uh, The Way Forward. And it's with Barron's advisor. And I have a co-host with it. So one week I do a show, the next week he does a show. And the way we split it is my focus is on interviewing people outside of the financial industry. And then what I do is I take what they do and then apply and translate how that applies to what financial advisors do. Because the reality is business is business, whether you're running a financial business, whether you're running a manufacturing business, whether you're running a retail business, I mean, it's business, you know, we we, we run into the same issues from leadership, from operations, from customer service, from technology, all those things are the same from business to business. And so, what I try and tease out are what are the principles? What are the underlying ideas that can apply from one industry or one profession to another? And with my deep knowledge of the financial advisory profession, I can then apply that to what advisors do. So it's been a tremendous amount of fun uh, in doing that. And then my co-host, he tends to interview people in the financial industry, whether they're financial advisors or leaders of advisory firms or technology firms. So yeah, so it's a really good complement of outside industry perspectives as well as inside industry perspectives. That's wonderful. Steve, has there been anything that surprised you from these guests, things that you heard that you maybe didn't expect? I don't know that I would say surprised uh, because I'm a guy that does a lot of research. So before I invite someone to be a guest, I listen to the podcasts that they've been on. I read any books that they've written. So I I typically do a deep dive on the guests before I actually interview them. So usually I'm not surprised during the conversation with them just because I've done so much deep research. And 
I'm not going to invite them to be a guest on the show unless I'm really interested in what it is that they do or I'm fascinated by what they do. So I wouldn't say there's so much surprises as much as I just think they've got something great to share. They've had some great success. They've had some tremendous insights. And so my role then is to try and tease them out during the conversation so that everyone else can benefit from their knowledge and benefit from the things that I've learned as well doing my research on them. Which is such a wonderful skill. I mean, listening to your podcast, I can hear the time and energy that you've spent to understand your guests and how you've crafted those questions. I'm just curious, how do you balance everything? Because there's a ton of shows going on. There's a lot of content. There's ROL tools. I'm sure you have a life outside these things as well. So how do you think about creating those boundaries and balance in your life? Well, I surround myself with great people. <laughs> so it's it's not a one-man show here. So I've got other folks that I work with and collaborate with that make my life much easier than it would be if I had to do all these things myself. I mean, I, I couldn't do all these things myself, clearly. So, so I think that is a key, not just for me, but everyone listening is you have to surround yourself with great people. I mean, that's like the number one rule in business or it's right up there is if you want to have a successful business, you've got to surround yourself with great people. So that is absolutely a key. And then also I think it gets back to systems. So I talked about, you know, structural thinking, systems thinking here is I'm very much a a systems and structural thinking kind of guy, meaning I like to put systems in place. So for example, I have templates. So when I put a podcast together, I put together a detailed outline briefing document for my guests. And so that's a template. And basically the main thing that changes within the template is I'll have like arc of the conversation. So I'll have one or two sentences that describes for the guest, here's kind of the arc of where we want to go with the conversation. Then I'll have a working title. So I'll come up with a working title for our conversation just so the guest can think, okay, I got a sense for the message that you want to get across because here's your working title. Then I have several bullet points and I'll say areas to explore. Sometimes those will be questions. Sometimes those will just be bullet points. So I try and give the guest a pretty good sense for where it's going to go. And, and then I've got a lot of my notes behind the scenes as I'm having the conversation that I've taken through all of my deep research. And uh, yeah, so again, it's kind of like I use the systems, I use templates checklists, surround myself with good people and pick and choose my spots too. So, I mean, I can't do everything as much as I'd like to. And so I've just got to decide what's the highest and best use of my time. What am I really driven toward? What What's really attracting me and, uh, and follow those. I can sense a podcast about training other people to deliver better podcasts coming on. Steve, <laughs> what are the top advisors spending their time on in terms of improving their skills? Like where do you see them really spending time and crafting out those skills? Yeah. Um, great question in terms of when people, a lot of times when, when advisors come to me for coaching, a lot of them want to grow. But what I find also very fascinating is they come to me and they say, yeah, I'd like to grow, but that's really not my number one objective. My number one objective is I just want to get better. I want to know what do I need to do to be one of the best advisory firms, to be one of the best advisors, to really improve the quality 
and the value of the service that we deliver to create an experience for our clients and for our team members and create an organization that people want to work for and that I want to lead. And, and to me, that's, that's very exciting. And so um, I think that's one of the key things that a lot of people come to me for is I want to just get better. Now, the thing is, though, that when you do that, the growth comes almost automatically. And, and so rather than putting the focus specifically on, I want to grow, it's about, I want to do all the other things that, that would lead to growth without the emphasis on the growth, knowing that if I do all these other things, the growth is going to come. And it reminds me of one of my favorite books. It's called The Score Takes Care of Itself. I don't know if you've, if you've heard of that or not, but it was written by Bill Walsh. And uh, uh, Bill Walsh has since passed away, but he is the former coach of the San Francisco 49ers football team. And uh, w- when he says the score takes care of itself, what he means is we didn't focus on, we're going to win this game. We got to win the Super Bowl. You know, we got to win the division championship. That was not the focus. The focus was on doing all of the blocking and tackling all of the specific day-to-day things that when you get those hundred things or a thousand things or 10,000 things done just right consistently over time, you're going to win football games. The score will take care of itself. And so, I mean, I believe that as well. So I'm not a guy that sets these, you know, big grandiose goals. I'm someone who's like, I just want to get better. I want to do a better job as a podcast host. I want to do a better job as a business coach. You know, those are the kinds of things that I want to continue to get better at. And I know that when I do that, it's going to lead to top line growth and bottom line profitability. Almost those input goals, as opposed to just focusing on the output where you have probably less control on and saying, okay, these are the things that I have to spend time on. And what I'm also picking up is that you're saying you need to track that progress. You need to know where you are improving. Is that right? Yeah, you definitely need to track progress. And this is probably going to sound strange to some of, to you, maybe to, to some of your listeners, but I track everything. <laughs> so I've got spreadsheets. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I sort of gave away my age here earlier, but I mean, I was using spreadsheets back in the VisiCalc days, which was pre-Lotus 1, 2, 3. Uh, you know, which then, you know, became Excel and so on. So, I mean, I've been a big spreadsheet guy. So, I mean, I can tell you by month, I mean, I I have a balance sheet, a net worth statement by month going back to 1993. So, I mean, I can tell you, and, you know, I have a chart, you know, I have a graph that shows, you know, how my net worth has, has changed over the years since 1993. I've tracked every single workout that I've done since the late 1970s. I was a, a, a track and cross country runner back in high school and college and have, have continued to, to exercise uh, since then. So, I mean, I have a spreadsheet that shows every single day what, what, what I worked, you know, if I worked out, what my workout was. And then it calculates year to date, what's the percentage of number of days year to date that I've worked out. Uh, this year I'm at 92%. So I've worked out 9.2 days out of 10 uh, this year. And I can go back every single year and see, oh, at this point last year, was I at 92? Was I at, you know, 83, whatever. So, I mean, I'm just very meticulous about that. And one of the reasons why I do that is it gives me motivation because when I can track the progress and I can see the movement 
the forward progress, it gives me a nice feeling, gives me a little hit of dopamine. So every day when I work out, I pull up the spreadsheet. I put a one in the column that says I worked out today. And then I type in what my workout was. That is a feeling of success. And I get that every single day. So instead of setting just, I mean, I do set a goal to work out 80% of the days. So eight days out of 10, I'm at 9.2. I'm an overachiever, I guess, Uh, but I've been healthy. So fortunately, you know, I've been able to hit that. But instead of just setting a goal of eight days out of 10, and then at the end of the year, see if I hit that and I get one dopamine hit, I get them every single day. So it's that little progress each day that keeps me moving forward and, and feeling good. And I think that's a little key to hitting your goals is to not just set one or two or three big goals, set little daily goals and pat yourself on the back each day. Steve, are financial advisors using this concept enough in their clients? Because immediately what comes to mind is that if we could apply this to our clients in such a kind of micro dosing manner for them to build momentum, surely we could have much better outcomes. Uh, Totally. I totally agree. In fact, one of the tools that we have that I mentioned earlier with ROL Advisor is this ROL Index. And the ROL Index is that middle of the three tools. So it's the tool that says, where are you right now? How well are you using your money today to live your best life possible? And what it does is it has a series of 20 statements and you move a slider between zero to 10 and it has basically a bookend statement and you move between zero to 10 to determine how strongly you feel about that. Well, then what we do after they complete that is it gives them a visual and it gives them some dials and it shows in three broad categories, progress, well-being, and freedom on a scale of one to a hundred. If you're at a hundred, that means, hey, everything's perfect. If you're at one, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, life is terrible. So then we simply ask them, I'm, you know, say I'm the advisor and and you're my client, Louis, I'm going to ask you, well, Louis, as you look at these different areas here, is there an area that you would like to improve that you're feeling like, eh, I'm just not doing as well here. I need to make some progress. I need to make some improvement here. And you might say, yeah, uh, I'm just not happy with my, my work right now. I'm just not feeling appreciated at work. I don't feel like I'm paid enough. Um, I'm just frustrated with work right now. And I would say, okay, Louie, let's talk about what are some things that you think you could do that could improve your situation at work? And you might say, well, you know, I suppose I could talk to my boss and, and, you know, just tell him what I'm frustrated with, or maybe I could ask for a raise, or maybe I could hire a recruiter and start looking for a new job. You know, I just kind of do a little list of things that we could do. Then I would say, okay, Louie, looking at that list, what's, what's one thing, what's one action that you could take today or tomorrow that would be a step in the right direction? And so to your point, we're asking them to identify what's, what's one thing that you can do immediately because we want you to get that little hit of dopamine, so to speak. We want you to take that micro action and start making progress because it's much harder to go from zero to one than it is from one to 20, okay? So as an advisor, I wanna help you go from zero to one. And the easiest way to do that is to take a micro step because once you do that, you're off zero. And now it's much easier to get some momentum going and go to one to two to three. I love how specific your words are around getting you to move in the right direction. Has there been a specific process that you followed to improve your quality of your questions or has that just come 
naturally, given the amount of content and research that you do? Well, I would say that I'm widely read and widely listened. And what I mean by that is when I say widely read, meaning I read a lot of different things in a lot of different areas from psychology to philosophy, to technology, to futurists, to, I mean, just about any area. I, you know, I, I have an interest in learning. So I read a lot. And then second, I listen a lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I mean, if you look at my podcast list, you'd see a really wide variety of folks that I listen to uh, just because I'm, I'm, I'm like a sponge you know, in terms of picking all this up. And, and w- what I think one of my skills is, is just kind of like taking all of this incoming information, running it through my filter, and then putting it back out in a way that people can understand and make sense and is organized in some kind of structure that becomes usable. So I think that's sort of my superpower. If I had to say I had a superpower is doing that. And and I think as a result of all of that, that I can then come out with what the questions are. And having done over 400 podcast interviews uh, where I interview people, you know, you, you get some amount of skill through that just because of the of doing it and then also the work that goes into it. And and I love to learn. So, I mean, I, I hope that I don't just give the same interview 400 times that I'm compounding the learning. And so I learned, well, that worked. Let me do more of that. Or that didn't work. Let me not do that again. So hopefully I'm, I'm compounding the learning as well. The Steve Sandusky distillery, just being able to distill this uh, massive amount of content into those gems that you've delivered for us today. Steve, I want to thank you so much for being here. It has exceeded my expectations. It has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you, Louis. Really appreciate it and appreciate all the great work that you're doing with your firm and with this podcast. Thank you, Steve. If people want to reach out to you to maybe sign up for ROL tools or check out Segways or any of the content that you produce, what's the best way for them to do so? Yeah, let me give you two websites. So if you want to learn specifically about me and what I'm doing on the coaching side and on the podcasting side, you can go to stevesandusky.com and that's spelled S-T-E-V-E-S-A-N-D-U-S-K-I.com. You can just Google my name. It'll, it'll come up pretty quickly. Uh, and that has information about the coaching and about the podcasting work. Also there, you can sign up for what I call GTK, which is my email loot newsletter. GTK stands for good to know. So it's kind of a, a, a distilling of all the things that I'm picking up and learning and experiencing and pushing back out to the advisor community. So please subscribe to that. It's free. And then the other website would be roladvisor.com. And that's the program uh, with me and Mitch Anthony and the rest of our team, where we have these digital tools that help you have deep life-centered planning conversations with your clients. And it's not just the tools, it's also the training. So Mitch and I do monthly, what we call them learning hours, and you have the ability to, uh, to participate in those. We've been doing it for several years now, so we have dozens of of uh, learning hours. We have all kinds of training in there as well. So it's really a comprehensive program and uh, would uh, would encourage you to take a look at that as well. I want to echo that, Steve. The uh, Just the amount of content that you've put out there is just so wonderful. I think it's progressing the industry and this podcast is all about 
moving financial planning into the future. And like, who better to have a guest than Steve Sandusky? Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you, Louie. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm.